And before I start with the sharing of reflections on Metta, um, a couple of informations. First of all, we have sent out you an email today with information on how you can uh, give dana. So, if you have not, if you are not checking your emails, uh, there it is. Hopefully, not in the spam. And then, the second thing is that you know when we have sent out emails to you, we always put your addresses in the blind copy so that nobody else sees your address for privacy reasons. But the question has come up if it were not possible to share emails so that you know some of you who would like to take up uh, contact with uh, somebody from this retreat. We can do this. Um, and you know, with your agreement. And it's easiest to do it in this way. Those who would not like to share their email address, please send me an email. Just stating that you don't want to do that. If possible, send the email today, like after the session, so that by tomorrow, on our last day, we can send out this email. So just to make it clear again, if you don't want that others get your email address, please send me an email stating what you uh, want. All right, and with this, I will go on with the reflections. And today I want to say a few words on metta in deed, speech, and thought. Also as an outlook for, you know, practice in day-to-day -day life, as tomorrow this online retreat is coming to an end. One of our metta chants that we sometimes chant is called Metta in Deed, Speech and Thought. And as you know, it starts with Whenever your action is suffused with Metta. Likewise, whenever your action is suffused, sorry, whenever your speech is suffused with Metta. And likewise, whenever your thoughts are suffused with metta. So we have these three levels of metta. Three levels on which metta can be expressed. Metta expressed by the body, by physical actions, is kaya kama metta. Metta expressed by speech with words is vachi kama metta. And metta expressed by thoughts, metta expressed in the mind is manu kama metta. And when we <clears throat> engage in the metta meditation practice, 
especially in the silent formal metta meditation practice. This is cultivating loving kindness on the level of the mind, the level of the thoughts, manokama metta. And this is very important because as the Buddha has said, everything springs from the mind. Everything originates in the mind. So our actions of body and speech, they have the origin in the mind. And in the Dhammapada, the verses, the first two verses say exactly this. And they also mentioned, mention, you know, that it makes a difference whether um, your thoughts are based on the three poisons or whether your thoughts are based on wholesome states of mind, such as metta or compassion and so on. So I want to read these first two verses from the Dhammapada. Mind precedes all mental states. Mind is their chief. They are all mind made. If with an impure mind a person speaks or acts, suffering follows him like the wheel that follows the foot of the ox. Mind precedes all mental states. Mind is their chief. They are all mind made. If with a pure mind a person speaks or acts, happiness follows him or her like his never departing shadow. That's why we have repeatedly stressed the fact that the metta must be made strong in the mind, on the mental level, that it must take firmly root in our heart so that very naturally then they flow over in actions of body and speech. And even if you might think, you know, what I think has not that much of an impact on others or the environment. It's, it's not so. Our thoughts, they do have a great impact. In Sayadaw Indaka's book on the practice of metta, there is this story of a Burmese monk. His name is Usila. And he lived some hundred, year, hundred years ago in Burma, in an area near Pago, southeast of Yangon. And at that time, there was quite a lot of jungle forest. And this monk, he preferred to live in forest monastery away from, you know, busyness. And he practiced a lot of meditation also a lot of metta meditation. And at one time he was staying in such a remote forest monastery. And on top of that, he had his little kuti, his little bamboo hut, quite
quite away from the main building. So he was really out there in the jungle. And at that time, the forests, the jungles in Burma, they were still teeming with wildlife, wild elephants and tigers and snakes and so on. And so the hut was built in the traditional Burmese Asian style, like the hut was built off the ground on stilts. So there was maybe one meter or one and a half meter um, below the hut where one could sit under the floor on, of the hut. And in the cool season, when temperatures can get a bit low, especially uh, at nighttime or early morning, his attendant, the attendant of Usila, who was living with him there, he would make a fire under the hut to warm himself. And Usila, the monk, was sitting inside the hut meditating. And it happened that, the, that there was a tiger around in the area. And sometimes this tiger came or also to sit nearby to warm itself near the fire. And both the monk and his attendant, they were no longer afraid of this tiger. The tiger never harmed or hurt or threatened them. And so one morning, when the attendant was sitting near the fire to warm himself, Usila sitting inside the hut meditating, the tiger came as usual, curled up near the fire and was resting or sleeping. The attendant, you know, tended to the fire, putting more wood on it so that it wouldn't extinguish. And then while he was sitting there, the tiger started to yawn, <sighs> opening his big tiger mouth. And when the attendant saw that, a thought popped up in his mind. And it was the thought, what would happen if I take a piece of this burning wood and would throw it into the tiger's mouth? And as soon as he had thought, thought, the tiger started to roar a loud and frightening something like that. And so Usila, who was meditating in, inside the hut, he, he heard this loud roar of the tiger. And so Usila, from inside the hut, shouted, because a bamboo hut, you know, it's not tight sound, uh, is heard easily. So Usila uh, called to his attendant, hey attendant, take care of your thoughts. And it was in that moment that the attendant realized what kind of thought had arisen in his mind. He realized, of course, a thought of harming, not a kind, friendly thought. And when realizing this, he immediately started to replace the thought by metta, 
and with this the tiger shut his mouth, <laughs> curled up again and went on to sleep. So, you know, we must be careful of our thoughts and, you know, imagine there were a loudspeaker attached to your mind and it would broadcast all your thoughts. I think we would be much, much more careful about our thoughts. But even though, you know, when even others cannot hear what we think, it still has, can make an impact. It can have effects. So cultivating metta on the mind, on the level of the mind is very important, but it's not yet enough. We must express our kindness, our friendliness with actions of body and speech. So another level is the kaya kama metta, metta expressed by the body, by physical actions. So, you know, the kindness must translate into kind and friendly and benevolent actions. And, you know, our day-to-day -day life offers plenty of opportunities to do so, to carry the heavy bag for our neighbor up into the third floor or to pick up something uh, that has dropped to the ground for an elderly man who has obviously difficulty bending down. And also the Buddha said, you know, that we must dwell in this state of metta all the time. Like when in the Metta Sutta it says, whether standing or walking, sitting or lying down, during all our waking hours, we should uh, dwell in this reflection, reflection of, of metta. This is the sublime abiding. So when we, when, when we can dwell in metta all the time and express it with our body and also speech, then we abide in a sublime state. And, you know, as we have said, metta is soft and gentle and open, loving, kind, friendly. But it doesn't mean that metta is kind of weak. Even though it's gentle and soft, actually metta is very strong. It's very powerful. In one of the past metta meditation retreats, one meditator uh, described it like this in one of her interviews. She said, you know, the stronger my metta gets, the more I found it's just this gentleness. It's very gentle, but it's very strong and powerful. Or she went on to say, you know, it's like, 
um, round edges. <laughs> so we can find, you know, numerous opportunities to express our meta in physical actions. What we need to be is just open-hearted and present to the situation. You know, even if it's just uh, saying goodbye, sir, have a nice day, as Shanti did. Well, this, you know, then would be meta expressed by speech, which, you know, is equally important. In regard to speech, the very basic baseline that the Buddha has given is that our speech should be true and beneficial. Or we can say our speech should be free from anger, free from irritation, hatred, hostility, or as it says in uh, the metta chant speech that is sweet, beneficial, and pleasing to hear. Which doesn't mean, you know, that it can be right, that it can be direct and straightforward. Um, you know, making clear that something should not have been done or that we have been hurt or that we have caused some harm. We must say these things, but not angry, not with hostility. Just a little story in regard to this. This is from an Israeli meditator who told me uh, in a retreat that um, she says she lives in Jerusalem and in Jerusalem it doesn't snow very often but when it does um, everything slows down or traffic gets very chaotic and so one day yes it had or one night it had snowed a lot and in the morning there was this traffic chaos and the newspaper was not delivered to her mailbox that morning. And so she waited a little bit longer until the middle of the morning and still the newspaper was not yet delivered. And so she called the company to find out whether or not they still would deliver the newspaper on that day. So she called and a woman answered the phone and this yogi, you know, very kindly, very friendly, just said she wanted to, to know whether or not the newspaper would still be delivered. And the woman on the phone said that she, this Israeli yogi, was the very first person that morning that was not angry at the newspaper office lady, you know, venting their anger and frustration why the newspaper hadn't come yet. And so then the Israeli told that woman, 
that she had, had made this commitment not to contribute any more hatred into this world because she said that was already enough. It's so heartening, it's so beautiful to hear such stories. And what they show, what they show to me is the fact that, you know, it doesn't need to be these great supernormal deeds um, to make a difference in this world. Sometimes it can be a very small deed. To us, it may not seem so uh, extraordinary or special, but just a few friendly words instead of hating, uh, hateful, hostile words make a difference. And we are all in a place to do that. So even, you know, when the retreat finishes and we go back to our kind of normal lives or ordinary lives, day-to-day -day lives, maybe having more commitments, working, doing other things during our day, we always can remember, even if we have not much time for formal meditation, we can remember to, to do these little acts of metta by our body, by our speech, you know, just like letting little drops of metta uh, fall into our lives in a relationship, in something we do, in something we say. I want to close these reflections with a quote from Acharya Buddha He was an Indian Buddhist monk. Well, bef before he became a monk, he was a writer and he even had joined the Indian army during the Second World War. But then at age 26, he became a monk and it was him who established the Mahabodhi Society in Bangalore. It's the main branch and they have other branches. So in regard to Metta, Acharya Buddha Rakita had said, if the quality of Metta is sufficiently cultivated through Metta Bhavana, the meditation on loving kindness, the result is the acquisition of a tremendous inner power which protects and heals both oneself and others. Yes, Metta is this inner tremendous power. 
So with this, let's go into our silent metta meditation. Before you turn off your video, I suggest that today we start with still your picture on and that we spend some minutes, maybe five minutes, of cultivating metta for all of us in this retreat. You know, we can just gaze at the different persons, different faces, and cultivate loving kindness with whatever phrase comes up for you. You may direct your metta towards an individual person or go from one person to the next or to all the persons that you see on the screen. Later on, maybe changing to the second page to see the remaining yogis of this retreat. <clears throat>
and now you can you can expand your meta to include other people other beings gradually encompassing more and more people more and more sentient beings with your meta until you cultivate metta for all living beings. And I let you do it in your way. I won't give any more instructions or guidance. Just do it your way, opening up until you include all living beings in your metta.
coming out of our silent metta meditation, trying to maintain the quality of loving kindness so that we can continue to dwell in metta. So in the formal practice, formal sitting and walking practice, continue as you have been doing in the last couple of days, you know, expanding it to more and more people and beings, finally cultivating loving kindness for all living beings. Do it in whatever way that works best for you or experiment with other approaches, you know, groups of proximity, of geographic areas, groups as they are mentioned in the Metta chants, whatever. And in the informal practice, while you're doing other things, again, the free-flowing Metta or freestyle Metta, which means just to dwell in metta as much as you can remember for whomever it is. And also, you know, try to see where you can engage in random acts of kindness, as somebody of you has mentioned in one of the group interviews. You know, see where is an opportunity just to perform a little random act of kindness. This can be holding the door open for another person or to greet somebody on the street, somebody you don't know, but just say a friendly hello or good day with a bright, broad smile on your face or offering your seat in the bus or in the train to somebody else or maybe write, write a handwritten card or letter to your friend or to your 87-year-old own auntie because I think we most have become so skilled in just sending messages via our smartphones or a short email. But what about a handwritten little message, a card or putting some nice flowers on the table for the family, for your partner? or some nice flowers in front of your neighbor's door. And this can really be a joyful practice. We can play with it. Um, yeah, we can be, uh, our fantasy has no, no limits. And again, you know, this, this brings joy in our lives and it brings joy and happiness in other people's beings' lives. So then with this, I hand over the microphone to Aya Riranyani. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.